Welcome to Williams, Sergey. Thank you, Mrs. Williams. It is great honour. I'd like to officially welcome you to our team. Oh, wait, it says card declined. Could you try popping your pin in again? Certainly. That's got it. Welcome to Williams. Could I have receipt, please? In a minute, but first, cake! Hello and welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth. He's Zog. Hello. He's Richard. Hello. And we are motorists. I don't normally describe myself as a motorist. Are you a motorist? It's a dated term. Isn't it's it? a really dated term. Motorist yeah. and motoring. Do you enjoy motoring, motorist. Richard? My favourite thing. A motorist wears many gloves. Yes. yes. A string yes. Back Open allows. back. Probably yes. has a flat cap. Yes. yes. But motoring as well. Motoring is a mm. funny word. The more you say it, the weirder it gets. But, but it's got a nice sort of sedentary... Oh. Re- it suggests it's going to be a pleasurable activity. Usually near the rather. coast. Yeah, pop yeah, out for yeah. some motoring. Yes. My favourite thing, a long time ago, at least ten years ago, there was a story about something to do with cars and, I don't know, car tax, on BBC News, and they had Quentin Wilson live down the line from a studio somewhere else, and they captioned him as Quentin Wilson, motoring enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it was live, and I was no Quentin, and I was like, I should text him and tell him, but there's nothing he can do, and also, he doesn't know, that's how they're captioning him. <laughs> Not motoring expert. Or motoring expert. Yeah, yeah, the fact that he's sort of quite renowned for knowing about cars and being a talking head about them, but yeah. motoring yeah. enthusiast. <laughs> yes. Well, we are motoring yeah, enthusiasts. Yeah. What would be the classic motoring car? Would it be an MG? B, perhaps. Oh, you see, I always think of a motoring car as like some kind of old chitty chitty bang bang type. Oh, it's yeah? Like, really? yeah, it's I like know. a it's like an Austin Seven or something. See, I was thinking of a Morris Minor, maybe. I think oh, that's, that's quite motoring, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. What, motoring. Okay, so what's the most modern motoring car? How recent can we go back for a motoring car? Oh well, now the Rover Seventy Five is definitely a motoring. That's a car. motoring okay. car. You could go motoring in a mm-hmm. Rover Seventy Five. So what's I, the jam? I'm not sure you can get. You can really sort of go motoring in anything that much more recent. I think no. the more, the more recent. That Again, is almost the cutoff. You know, you've got too many kind of bells and whistles. It's all too frou-frou. So yeah. Not... What's the least motoring car in the world? It's probably like mm. the Lamborghini Huracan Performance That's or something. Not, <laughs> but not motoring, is I it? I don't know. But also, no. a Ford Cat is not motoring. No, no it's not. You wouldn't no, go and take no. a special journey in a Ford Cat. It's a functional but item. That, what was it? The uh, Was it the Micro CC? You know, yes. that, that was a motoring car. Oh, I don't it? know. It was a bloody awful car. Correct. I don't know. There is an Aston Martin a motoring car? Oh, they're a bit motoring. <sighs> mm. A little bit, yeah. You see, but. Mm. <laughs> we really had to consider that. Well, didn't we? I think, yeah, yeah I, you're right. I, I, but, yeah, what it is, I think, I think it's tradition. Uh-huh. It's the fact that there's so much kind of Ooh. tradition baked into that. Do you know what? Motoring. I've just thought of a car that I think is actually quite motoring. <sighs> it's the Bentley Flying Spur. Motoring. But only the Flying yeah, Spur. Yeah, the yeah. Continental GT, mm-hmm. not, not some motoring. motoring. No, yeah. no, no. But the Flying okay. Spur, yeah. Ooh, maximum, motoring. maximum motoring. You'd go and do some motoring in that, down mm. to the coast. So, Richard, you own, what, 27 cars now? No, is it? I don't. <laughs> My Nissan Leaf has gone. That's oh. gone. That was only of a short-term lease on that one, so that went. I had it for longer than I was supposed to. I paid for six months, and I sort of had, had it, it for... for a couple of years, didn't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I had it for eight months, because... No one from Nissan got in touch. And in the end, I thought, it was sort of devil and angel on my shoulder, because I was going, 
Should I, I mention wonder it? how long I could get away with this for? <laughs> yeah. Because it strikes me. I tell a lie. What happened was, I got to about six months mark, and I thought, well, I better just make the arrangement to get it picked up, because, you know, then I'll be able to plan. If they want it next week, then I'll get all my stuff out of it, la di la But if they don't want it for a couple of weeks, that's fine. I'll just keep using it. Emailed the chap who'd sorted out this short lease for me. He said, yes, someone should have been in touch. I'll sort it out. Nothing. So I emailed him again, and he went, oh, sorry, it's not one been touched. I'm really sorry, I'll chase that, I'll chase that. And still nothing. So the following week, I emailed him, and I got an order reply. I have left Nissan. Oh, and I thought, that's never... the point at which I thought, now... I can hang on to this for hang on. <laughs> hang on a minute. And, uh, You're back on the hook there. Before that reply, yeah. you were off the hook. Well, I'd done the right because thing by going, exactly. do you want your car back? Exactly, you've done the right thing. thing. You've been in touch, like... you said, do you want your car back? And nobody had said, OK, give us it back on this date. So, you know, you're off the hook. You could hang yeah. on to it until somebody else it back. As soon as you get that auto-reply that says they left Nissan, you're back on the hook. I see what you mean, You yes. see? Well, you, I was. You, so you then have I thought, the moral responsibility. what it's... do I do? So then yeah. I had to sort of try and track down someone in Nissan who wanted the car back. <laughs> Hello, I've got to leave. And, <laughs> and it took <laughs> ages to sort it. I mean, it took a long time because I went to the press office because, I, you know, that's the yeah. people I would normally First deal with contact, and spoke to a chap there and, I, and he went oh right yes you're right yeah that guy has left and I don't know who's replaced him so of course then he had to find out hmm. and it took a long time and then finally someone rang me up and went oh yeah hi I just want to arrange to collect your car and I said yeah absolutely just sort it out and then that took a while but then there was a weird bit where they went okay we're coming get it next Thursday then they rang me back and they went oh sorry just wanted to check What's the registration? And I thought, <laughs> they really don't I could know. have kept this for a lot. Yeah, I yeah, could yeah, still yeah. have it. You, yeah. One of our leaves could is missing. So term. to answer your question, the leaf has gone. So I now have the Porsche that I talked about recently on the show yeah. and my Defender. And then we have our family car, Mercedes GLC. Yeah. And as a motorist. Motoring. No, no, those are. Ooh, the Defender's a bit motoring. It just because it's old fashioned. It is. Country yeah, motoring. It is. And it in is. a way, the mm. Porsche's a. Oh. Because there's a sense that you might just Again, go for a drive you know, kind for the of sake history, of it. heritage in there. Yeah, yeah. I'm almost, I think that my Porsche is more motoring than your Porsche because, although yours is older, mine is more sort of wrapped up in the heritage of rear engine, oh, ferry Porsche. Uh, yours, the upstart, front-engined, oh, we don't like the sound of this. It's a bit less motoring. Uh, it, I feel it's boys, less old well, farty. Boys, boys, it's old fartiness in is inextricably linked to motoring. I'm driving. I will uh, give I, you that yours is a little bit more old farting. Sorry, Gareth, continue. I drive a three litre straight six Ooh, rear straight wheel six drive, principally two, well, it's a four really, but it's a coupe, four seater, but it's a coupe really. It's pretty motoring. I would argue that my saw is more motoring than your Porsche. Or your Land Rover. It is quite motoring. Most yeah. motoring. Pretty motoring. But then again, you see, it's, it's Japanese, and I feel like motoring enthusiasts are quite uh, racist. motoring Yeah, there's a whole separate motoring <laughs> culture in motoring Japan. motoring Yes, maximum Japanese motoring. Uh, yeah. But the point is that, you know, we are, <laughs> a, we are a dying breed as motorists. Yeah. So, oh, so, sorry, to answer your question about mm. how many cars I have, I have three cars in our household, which is three one more car than we need because there are only two people in the household who can drive. Yep. The dog lost her licence um, <laughs> for speeding. Get it back, <laughs> get it back in six months, though. Yeah. <laughs> in dog years. So, That's only 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah. 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 Tomorrow. So you've got to go through the whole MOT thing. Well, the Porsche, yeah, it's 10 years old, yeah, isn't Porsche it? Porsche yeah, yeah. yeah. Land Rover's a year away from its first MOT uh, now? Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, God, that's not long, is it? Ooh, MOT. Um, mm. 
Yeah, and that's the batteries. No, but I am completely paranoid about that. Because yeah, you mentioned this the other day. And yeah, I, the flat battery is I've the most solution, casually irritating got, part of motoring, I think, of any kind. It is, but you've just got to go with the solar panel top-up solution. Yes, now, this is what another mate of mine has got this, and he swears by it. Mind you, he swears by it. It sounds like a name drop, but it's not, because it's just Harry Metcalf who does those videos on YouTube. Lovely Harry, who founded Evo magazine, and who is a friend of mine. And Harry has one of those solar trickle-chargey type things mm-hmm. on the old-shaped Mercedes SL that he keeps down in the south of France, where his oh. boat lives. Oh. Now, this is the thing. You know, Bless him, poor Harry. He's, amount he's, he's of scratching sun. around for pennies. Yeah, <laughs> amount of sun is an important thing, because having tried to use a little bit of solar trickle charging to keep the battery topped up in the last couple of months, I've realised that there is quite an issue with British winter, mm. both with hours of sun and then the fact that you're putting your solar panel underneath some glass, which is probably going to cut out mm. some more of the wavelengths that are going to give you some useful power, you're probably going to get way less output from that solar panel than you're hoping to get. So you may need a bit more solar panel area than you might at first have thought. But it is the perfect solution. Yeah, using solar uh, panels to uh. keep your battery topped up. You know the Zoya's spacecraft that has those two beautiful, elegant, folding-out solar panel? Yeah. That's what you want on your car, isn't it? Something like that. That would make it look modern, wouldn't it? Proper extending solar wings, not just a panel. Wings. I know it's tricky in London. Yeah. But it would solve the battery recharge problem, which I'm suffering from at the moment. Well, there's the thing, because the cruel irony is that this sort of characteristically unsunny time of year is also when car batteries really get knackered by the cold weather, isn't it? Because the thing is, for years, even when I had a mere one car to my name, (laughs) poor boo-hoo, I was always having a flat battery because I was always messing around in other people's cars because I was having press cars for my job, and I wish I'd do sort of a bit less now. Yeah, and then you don't drive your car for ten days, you come back to it and... Years ago, I had a Ford Cat, and it never worked. At the end, I think I sold it to a mate. He bought it for his girlfriend. I sold it to him for just almost no money whatsoever. Hmm. And by the simple expedient, of putting a fresh battery in it and cleaning it he made it basically back into a brand new car and I was really cross with myself because he then showed me what he'd done he spent a weekend cleaning it up and tidying you know it I was like what have you done to my car you know why he did that to spite me he was a motorist yeah he did mm-hmm. some good sort of motorist behaviour so he found some motorist in the Ford car despite yeah. what we said earlier but that's the thing it was, the interior had gone mouldy as well because I hadn't used it that's how little I'd used it <laughs> but then even like you know, do you remember I had that Jack XJR that beautiful yeah, black yeah. Jack mm. which I loved and I still sometimes have pangs about selling oh, yeah. but, but towards the end of the time that I owned that and one of the reasons why I sold it was because it was sitting in the BBC car park with a flat battery because I hadn't used it for weeks I used to annoy myself that I was like just one day go and take it out for a bit of motoring that was quite a motoring car. It is. I was about to say exactly that. Supercharged motoring. I think I've got the motoring problem solution. I'm assuming that people listening to Gareth Jones and Speed are like us. They've probably got more than one car. They'll have something that they use for the family, but they'll also get something that they've probably owned for 10 or 20 years or they've always wanted to. They've saved up for their passion car. Quite possible that many of you have two cars. And I reckon that if you are a motorist, it's got more than two cars. If you considered getting a third car, the solution would be an RAC rescue vehicle, wouldn't it? You know, one of those transits with a pair of those, what do you call those things that fold down that you can put underneath your front wheels at the back to hoik your car around and it's got a bit of a battery charge 
packaging thing on it, and oh, you've probably got a box somewhere full of all sorts of spares. That's what you want. Like you a want... recovery truck. Yeah. Recovery. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the but thing yeah. is, if you like cars, then you sort of have this dream. Oh, I'd love to have a fleet of cars. I'd love to, you know, in your yeah, you have mythical your, barn. You or have your, the... your dream garage. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was thinking in my head, what, sort five of or ten cars. Multiple garages out the back in the courtyard of a big old country house. You just think, yes, oh. you'd open double wooden doors, and one would have the uh, I don't know Ferrari four five eight speciale in it, and one yes would have an old Maserati, and one would have a Citroen SM, and I'd have a two CV actually next to that as well. I think you probably would, wouldn't you? Sir? I probably would, and I'd have a light fifteen as well. Yeah, well, there you I go. know you, you would. See. The yeah, Citroen yeah. section, yeah. and then yeah. you know, there's all manner of things you go, and of course, you know, I was thinking, oh, I'd have my Defender, but then I'd probably have an old Series One as well. I love those, oh, and, yeah. just, and, and then an original Range Rover. I mean, honestly, this mm. frigging courtyard is um, massive. Yeah. Mini, but, Mini Cooper, Mini Cooper, Mini lovely, Cooper, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. All of these things that you'd have, and what you would actually have is an enormous collection of flat batteries, oh. unless you put them all on trickle. But then it becomes like a job in itself. Can I you daisy chain them? <laughs> yeah, but if you're that rich, you would probably have to have a man who looked after them for you. The most Man. A motoring man, your head of yeah. motoring, because otherwise it's a full-time job. It's not just a full-time job keeping cars in a running condition, but then sorting out the insurance and the tax and the MOT and stuff like that. Yeah, and once you've got to ten or a dozen yeah. of them, you know, yeah, it, it's a lot of paperwork. Insurance, MOT, and all that stuff. You'd make it easier by sort of having them all come up at the same time, probably, so you don't forget. And so you're always doing them. So again, your MOT is synchronised. It's quite hard. You'd have to go very early. You're not allowed to go beyond a certain amount of early. You'd have to sort of, over time, it'd be like glacial shift. You sort of, like, by the year 2034, (laughs) all of my MOTs will be within June. Yes, every year you have to Oh, God, no, but I've gone and bought a new car. I've just gone and bought a 1970 and 911T, and that's not (laughs) MOT till December. Damn it! (laughs) I just had this odd thought that whilst the one, because we're talking about the motorist being a bit of a dying breed, particularly as legislation goes a certain way, as autonomous vehicles, self-driving vehicles mm. become more of a thing, the culture of the rugged individual motorist going out for an exciting drive in there, slightly difficult to keep on top of and maintain sturdy iron steed. This is you know, going to be on the decline and it might almost prompt an increase in the number of people, the number of households that maybe have two vehicles because they've got one vehicle that actually fits in with the contemporary lifestyle, you know, mm. the autonomous vehicle that is zero emissions and so you're not going to have to pay a toll every time you go into low emission zones or mm-hmm. into the London congestion charging zone or whatever and is cheaper to insure. But then because they maybe still want to have to feel a bit of the thrill of being in control of something from time to time, they're going to want to have the older impractical Motor car. Yeah. For, um, well, it's the hobby know, car, isn't it? It's just, it's yeah. Just, yeah. What's it's happening to the car is analogous with what happened to the horse. It was once a way in which everyone had to get around. But a lot of people hated riding a horse and hated owning a horse, mm. probably. And then the car came along and it sort of solved the problem. And then the horse riding just became a hobby for those right. who wanted to do it, which is how it is today. You know, the horse is not a practical means of transport, but it is a way that posh girls like to get their kicks at weekends. So and then we bought go. vehicles to tow the horses around. So we'll have in the future electric EVs to tow yeah. our XJS yeah. around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm. I think that's how the way it goes. But I, what's well, interesting, I as guarantee well is- that right now there is somebody who is trailering their internal combustion engine car to a track day with an electric vehicle up front. 
Yeah, that's the thing. And it's your hobby car. You don't actually put that many miles on it. And it ceases to become an issue about, you know, sort of, oh, petrol engines polluting and things like that, because actually they'll be used so infrequently and for so few Absolutely, miles. Yeah. They are just a hobbyist thing. In the way that, you know, London was knee-deep in horse poo at one point, and it was a great concern. You know, mm. you can look up in archives, yeah, these yeah. letters to the Times, of, Sir, when is something going to be done about the foul stench in Westminster? And the problem was sort of solved. Yeah, we, and, absolutely. And now yeah. horse poo is a relatively it, it, minor inconvenience. Relatively, yeah. in the grand scheme yeah. of things. But this is the thing where ownership of cars is going to die out because a lot of people, even saying it's a pain trying to keep on top of MOTs and, mm-hmm. and all the rest of it if you have a few cars. But even if you have one car, just keep on top of the paperwork. For a lot of people, it's a pain. A friend of mine got rid of his car years ago. He lives in, in town and he just does zip car. Yeah, he swears right. by it he doesn't need a car model. very often. Yeah. Living yeah. in yeah. Hackney, I have to pay 260 pounds to park my car in this area somewhere near the front of my house no guaranteed spot with that as well Hmm. we are being legislated against i can't remember the last time i paid the congestion charge because i wouldn't dream of driving my car into the congestion charging zone these days they don't want me there so okay i'm reading the clues you say legislated against i'm not sure priced against them i'm not sure that i'd think of residents parking and charging residence parking as being legislating against motorists. It's a pretty sensible way of managing your very limited street space mm-hmm. in a very crowded system. Well, yes, I legislating no, against cars. But what is I mean, the thermodynamics, the marginal utility? Is that right? Basically, what is the point at which the cost would get so great that somebody would get rid of their car? Mm-hmm. If you're paying 260 quid a year, mm-hmm. it's a lot of money, but it's a drop in the ocean compared to the general cost of buying and running a car. Mm-hmm. So it's probably a cost that you will resentfully suck up. Mm-hmm. So I don't I think it's, from, it's not a tipping point years, for people. Yeah. But what it is, it is definitely a factor. And again, it goes back to this thing of people not wanting or needing to own a Mm. car. They'll just use Uber or some autonomous service or zip car to get into a car they drive themselves. And and it's just another thing where they go, oh, brilliant, I don't have to pay or worry about parking my car. And for a lot of young people, insurance is probably the cost that is pushing them out of it. Forgive me if I've said this on the programme before, but once upon a time, the car used to represent liberty, you know. Finn's disagreeing. He said no. Cars used to represent liberty, but now a car represents responsibility. You have to fork out to park it outside. You can't go in certain places in it. There are speed limits. You drive out there, you're into a traffic. You know, it's the opposite of freedom. For young people, Zog, you talk about young people not being drivers. For them, their liberty is the app. They open up the app on the phone, I want to go somewhere, and a car turns up and takes them there. That's all we need. We enjoy cars because we enjoy liberty. Mm. Young people get their liberty from a different place altogether, don't they? Mm. Things have already significantly changed. Even my son, Tycho, who's been brought up in a house full of cars. Car culture, not interested in learning to drive. He's 18 Mm. in August. Yeah, and well, he's you know, if you've, not if you, untypical. If you're getting an Uber somewhere, you say that point about freedom is, is a very good one because if you're getting an Uber everywhere or using some other ride-sharing system, whatever, you've then got the freedom, you can have a drink, you don't have to worry about where you've parked your car or if it's in a safe spot overnight or whether you're going to get a ticket. Responsibility. Uh, yeah. But it's weird, isn't it? Because if you are into like motoring, and I was thinking about this this evening because I was going to get an Uber over here and I thought, oh, I can have a drink. But then I just thought, the thought of sitting in the back of a car while someone else drove... 
just suddenly filled me with dread. And I thought, I don't want to do that. Mm. I want to drive myself. Yeah, I had yeah, some I... moment of control freak. I, went, I would <laughs> much rather drive my Land Rover Defender through the back streets of London. It's not even like as if I was going across the Scottish borders in a McLaren P1. It's a fairly functional journey in my funny, bouncy, old-fashioned car. But I'd rather do that than sit in the back of a Prius. And I love drinking as well, so you imagine... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That shows you how much you like yeah. driving. I just had an absolute brilliant revelation. It's a sort of a semi-Uber model. So what happens is you call the vehicle to bring you here it's an autonomous vehicle but you can pilot it yourself if you want and you can configure it so it feels like a lotus elise or something and then have a big smashing drink call the same car back and this time say drive me home there you go i've solved all the world's well, it was a problems. sort of analog version is, of that, that man, how... wasn't it? yeah my mate bobby <laughs> used to be a scooter yeah. man he really? did that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. is would... that still going i don't know if it is it's a long time ago yeah, maybe yeah. we should bring that back Autonomo Systems present Envoy. The multi-function get-you-there-and-get-you-home-again transport solution. You drive the car configured in full sports car mode to a bar or restaurant and enjoy an evening out. And if you like, even a couple of drinks. Then, when you're ready to leave, you simply use your app to engage dad mode. And your car returns. Your car is waiting outside. To pick you up, now configured as a sensible estate, which will take you home and automatically warn you not to let your mum smell your breath. Have you been drinking? No, mum. Autonomo Systems, driving the future for you. Step petrol, we don't I've lived in Stoke Newington in Hackney in North London since 1988. And I remember when I first moved into Stokey, at the end of our road, we had Phil Cornwell, who was my mate from Get Fresh, we had Emma Freud. Really? And Sinead O'Connor. No. Yeah, yeah, at the end of our race. Is, ironically, is this, this where <laughs> Phil Cormor got the idea for Stella Street from? This is a weird, actually, sort of famous ghetto. I think you're probably right. Yeah. Sinead O'Connor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. All on Clissold Crescent, it was called, and still is called that. But yeah, uh, there, there are lots of people around here. But as this is a car programme, I thought we'd do some sort of celeb spotting. But let's do celebs in cars. I'll go first. Edward... Celebrities to be seen in cars. Right? Yes. Yeah, you have to have seen this person in a vehicle. Yes. Okay. Edward Tudorpole, who was yeah. in the Sex Pistols for a while and is a well-known actor and was in Tempole Tudor. Swords of a Thousand Men. Correct. Correct. Is that the song? Correct. Yeah, only, yeah. 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 Also, gentlemen, used to drive around in a nice big old Bentley, like the Queen-shaped Bentley, you know? Really? Yeah, a really old one, yeah, huh. yeah. Really, really old. Lives just up on... I shan't say the name of his road because he's still there. That, <laughs> so that, that's my, the my first one. The other one was Stuart Lee, who I drove into his Mini accidentally. Oh, I was going to try and guess what Stuart Lee had. Stuart uh, Lee had a Mini, what, an yeah, old-shaped Mini. Yeah, green Cooper. Yeah, old-shaped, proper. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I, ooh, if you'd asked me to guess what car Stuart Lee... Is this recently? No, this was... 
1998, 99. Oh, okay. So it's still yeah. sort of current kind of... Quite, uh, interesting. I, I can see there being a student. Yeah, there, maybe. Yeah, you know, it's a, a do, good you, you crashed into mini... him? Well, I was forced into a situation by a man driving a Scorpio at utter speed up the road. I jinked out of the way and just clipped Stuart Lee's wing mirror, which I thought I'd knocked off and actually had been knocked off before and was stuck by there. So I went round, wrote a note, took him a bottle of wine. Oh, he really wasn't sorry. in the car at the no, time? No, it was just parked on the corner. But, but yeah. did you know it was uh, Stuart Lee's ding, ding, Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Right. Yeah, because I put a note in... Because you live on Stella Street, of course. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, no, I Stuart in, Lee at number 14. Yeah. I put a note in the window apologising, and he got in touch with me, and so I went round there with a bottle of wine. My mate yeah. Rowley, who is now the executive producer and creative lead in all manner of important things for the Fast and Furious live show, which has just launched and just started at the O2, he derailed Stuart Lee's stand-up comedy comeback. How? <laughs> because <laughs> this is a really weird story. Rowley used to work on Crime Watch as a researcher... <laughs> And this could go all kinds they of They had a Be crime careful. watch night out to a comedy club. I know, this is so strange. A comedy club in Shepherd's Bush in London. And uh, there were various acts on, and including an incredibly tall Scandinavian, I think he was, man, called Gigantor, who was this really weird comedian who did his bit. He was very funny. He went off, and then the compact came back on. I went, now, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a bit of a treat for you. I don't know if any of you remember. Stuart Lee, he's been away from the comedy circuit for a while. Tonight, he's back. We're so pleased. He's come back. He's got some new material he wants to try out and we're so honoured to have him here so ladies and gentlemen please welcome Stuart Lee he came on stage and he came on and of course he's not really a gag merchant he's a long yeah, yeah, yeah. ideas long, long thought yeah. so there's yeah, a, yeah. sometimes quite a long time between sort of over trigger laugh type stuff yeah <laughs> and so he did this bit this was in the early 2000s I guess and he went yeah it's terrible about 9-11 or the 9th of November, as I call it. You know, the gag being the Americans get the thing the wrong way. It's not a brilliant joke, but he laboured on in that very dry way that he does. And my mate Rowley had had a couple of drinks at this point, sitting down the front, and went, that's not funny. (laughs) And Stuart Lee went, yes, it is. And Rowley went, no, it's not. It's not funny at all. And they started having this sort of low-energy argument about it. And then Stuart Lee carried on, because Rowley, that's probably was quite young, and didn't remember Stuart Lee from being on the telly in the 90s, so he just had no respect for him whatsoever, and he heckled him again, and Stuart Lee's like, have you finished? And Rowley's like, no, you're rubbish, get off. And Stuart Lee carries on, says something else that Rowley didn't find amusing. And Rowley went, bring back Gigantor! (laughs) And Stuart Lee went, I can't. He's gone. And Rowley looked across. There's a doorway at the side of the room. And the room's dark, but the doorway's illuminated. And there's this huge Scandinavian man standing in the doorway. And Rowley went, no, he's not. He's over there. At which point, Gigantor ran off. And Stuart Lee just went, "Okay, thanks very much, and walked off the stage. Oh, no, he didn't actually Well, that's the thing. So Rowley, bless him, is one of the sweetest blokes that I know. He's a very, very good-hearted guy. But he had had a couple of drinks, and he was just full of bluster. He found out later from someone he knew who knew Stuart Lee's wife that apparently this comeback, being heckled, just knocked his confidence and he decided he didn't want to come back to stand-up and it took him ages to rebuild it. All because of my mate Rowley just getting a bit drunk and asking for Gigantor to come back. So Rowley was mortified about this. Anyway, it's fine. Stuart Lee's back. I wonder what car Gigantor drove. It'd have to be a convertible, wouldn't it? Sorry, you've gone a bit off-topic. That's okay. Probably one of those Bentleys with a big roof like the Queen drove. Perfect, bit of headroom. Or a Golf Plus, there you go. Or a Suzuki Wagonar. There you go. Oh, yeah, very tall. Zog, come on. Yeah, Who have you I, seen I, I, in I, 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 I mean, okay, first of all, 
Peter Bowles, him yes. out of To the Manor Born. And, yes, um, smoothest actor very, this side of Nigel yeah, Havers. Very super smooth actor. Um, was he, was he, he, was, he was in the back or Right, well, hang on. No, 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 I don't want to hear the car. No. Uh, right, what year was this? OK, this would have been... Are we profiling? 90s. Yeah, it was about, I think it was probably 95. Okay, five. Um, but he was in the back. Six. Yeah, he was in the back. He, oh. he was being driven. It was a Mercedes. Okay. He was being driven. I can't remember exactly what it was, except it was a large, it could have been an old Bentley or an old Rolls. Oh, okay. It was big enough that sort of quite a decent sized back window that he could look out right. of. Right. See, I would have I guessed Jag XJ. And that it's his That's car. It's very him, isn't it? It's, yeah, because he's got a moustache. I was about yeah, to yeah. say. <laughs> and he's very suave, but you have a feeling that he might sort of steal your silver teaspoons while you weren't looking. I think if he's a bit yeah, down on his luck. I'm pretty yeah. sure. He'd give them back to you if he then won on the horses or something, you know. He's or a, if he's he caught him. You know, yeah, yes. He'd apologise so a few times. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. Got, yes. I was oh. just looking at them. I but think I, it was I, a pre-requirement throughout the 80s that if you went into a Jaguar dealership before they sell you a car, they would say, excuse me, sir, do you have a moustache normally? <laughs> I think they required motorists. They? They, they're quite motoring. I'll tell you what I've seen in a car on the road, and you did as well, Gareth, Derek Bell. Oh, um, yeah, that was Derek a Bell, beautiful uh, moment. At the wheel on his way to Le Mans. In a Bentley, driving a Bentley. Oh, really? He pulled up alongside him, literally as we... Literally, sorry, actually as we approached the Circuit Le 24, whatever it's called. I've forgotten what it's called. Circuit, now. Circuit de la Sarthe. And, yeah, he pulled up alongside us. We stuck a camera out the window and did an interview did? with him. It's actually on the internet somewhere, on my website, I think. We've got that clip yeah, it was from, from the, Le Mans uh, film. ended up in the ITV Le Mans film, didn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. right. He was lovely. He was very friendly. He was uh, very happy to be interviewed like that. I can't think of another thing. Okay, uh, we'll come back, come back, come back, Richard. Well, the one that sticks in my mind, and I was reminded of it a couple of weeks ago, there was a documentary about Michael Palin uh-huh. on TV. And they showed archive interviews with Terry Jones, because bless him, he's not very well, is he? And I think he's got quite severe yeah, dementia now. I yeah. But I remember probably six or seven years ago, I was driving through North London and there was a car in front of me that suddenly slowed down in that way where you think, well, there's no indication. You go, now here's somebody who's not a who's brilliant a motorist because they're not really aware of their surroundings, mm. but something's going on here. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly they started doing three-point turn and they made a complete hash of the three-point turn. And as they completed about the sort of seventh or eighth point of it and kind of managed to just about it, I looked and furiously sort of passing the wheel through his hands in a sort of panicky way was Terry Jones. Bless him. And he's going, well, now, Terry Jones, yeah, you probably wouldn't peg him as a good driver. I was going to say, of all the Pythons, I reckon he's the one who I would imagine to be probably the least competent driver. So who's uh, the most competent driver? Yeah, then? you're right, definitely the least uh, competent driver. Eric Idle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gotta be. what would Idle drive? Something American, because he's lived uh, in California a long time, isn't it? That's true, yeah. No, he'd drive an old British car. He might drive a Jag XJ6. No, I think if he lived in California in the 80s, he'd have an XJS convertible. Yes. I think Eric Idle, and I might be confusing some of his characters on Monty Python, like the nudge-nudge bloke in the bar, would wear a shirt, open-neck shirt, with a cravat. Yes. Very motoring. Quite sort of dandyish or dapper, but yeah. A Jaguar convertible. But in this country, maybe he'd see that as a bit on the nose, and he'd have something else. I think... When he got a bit of money, he might have got an original shape, three series, 
an E21, if you will. Okay. I Michael Paley. Because yeah. he, he likes a rear-wheel drive, you see, because he is a bit of a tasty helmsman, I think. We like, think. Like he's it. quite thin, isn't he? He's My, got a sort of racing driver's physique. He is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Quite I, 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 for a moment, I saw him maybe in a Citroen DS. That Ooh, could work. That would be yeah, very elegant. Oxbridge educated, sort of quite erudite. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Michael Paley mm. would always get public transport. He'd get a train or probably yeah. hitch a ride on a steamer somewhere, wouldn't he? He can drive, and he's perfectly competent behind the wheel, I would like to believe. But would rather not. But he just doesn't. Yeah. Second-hand Volvo. Mm-hmm. Oh, he, yes. Uh, yeah, he's had a second-hand so, yes. uh, 240. On the money, uh, dog, yes. Bit, bit tatty in the Oh, back. of course, yeah, because but, Michael but should be a new car. No, no, I don't think there's any need. There's lots Volvo. of way. with the Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and it's just, well, you know, I don't get popular. Yeah. How about Cleese, yeah. then? Yeah, I'm not sure Cleese is a particularly good driver, but... It's probably something that's just slightly advised. I can just see it's that very tall. it would be a car that's just maybe a little bit more than he needs somehow. It's yeah. just not quite right. He's never quite happy with it. Right, um, that's he's, it! Because he's always been married to American women or Canadian women. He's got some kind of American SUV, but in the UK. Because he liked it because it's roomy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he'd driven An them explorer. in the US. An Explorer or something. With or it, Firestone yeah. tyres. Well, let's yeah. hope not. But, uh, <laughs> but then it's it, left-hand it drive and it's a permanent it inconvenience a... to him. And he's like, oh, I'm and right. but, yes. here. gives us something to complain about. Oh, so what I haven't told you is though, the car that uh, Terry Jones was making a mess oh, yes. of manoeuvring in was a Subaru Legacy Estate. Oh, a bit mm. more sophisticated nice than you might have But actually, that checks out only in as much as. Terry Jones, again, Oxbridge educated, very sort of stout middle class. I think he was sort of almost the most establishment middle class of all of the Pythons in his own way, because he'd always depict sort of wittery old women. Yes! <laughs> he'd always basing it on a thousand people's mothers that he's sort of aware of. Because he would play sort of fishwife kind of terraced house ones, but he was more comfortable with a sort of twin set and pearls. Yes! Middle-aged lady. Yes! Let's think... And so, just something that's sort of quite classical and tasteful, and mm. and a Subaru legacy well, fits in anywhere it's a without making a fuss. Yeah, he was Welsh. Okay. He should have okay. driven a Gilbert. He was born in Colwyn Bay. Yeah, but that yeah. would require him to really be interested in cars. Yeah, and he's not. He yeah. is. But he sort of he was aware of that. He, maybe he thought about the Volvo State because that would work. You know, I think he mm. lived in Hampstead, and it all fits mm. in. But then it's oh well, Michael's got one of those. I don't want to look like I'm mm. copying Michael. Because they were so writing he, partners, weren't so, they? So, yeah. so he gets me a little bit different. Yeah, the Subaru is. It's a thinking man's Volvo estate. Yeah. 1999, and I'm driving down Gower Street, London's West End, Yeah. in my little red Suzuki cappuccino that I'd just bought in Japan and imported to the UK, with Violet alongside me. And as we're going down, in my mirror I saw behind, ooh, there's another cappuccino. Hmm. It's a red one, like mine, so I adjusted my speed. And the cappuccino pulls up alongside on the left side. We wind down the windows and driving that cappuccino, Terry Gilliam. Brilliant. Wow. Python Terry Gilliam, the same colour as mine. And he said something about, well, what's with the turbo sign? Because it had turbo written on the back in gold Mm. lettering, which was just being put on. And it had a huge rear spoiler on the back. And we (laughs) drove down together grinning. You know, he's got that huge grin. Mm. I had the same huge grin. We were like a display team. I didn't dare sing the Python theme. But I had met him and interviewed him a long time ago previously, but I don't think he... See, I wouldn't have guessed Suzuki Cappuccino for Terry Gilliam, but... Morris Miner. check out, because... 
Quirky. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Quirky, imaginative. Yeah, yeah. 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 And a a giant rose appeared out of it and then a foot (laughs) or something like that. That's probably my second greatest claim to fame in terms of car people. I did see the Queen once and one of the Prime Ministers. This is not my story, but I'm going to steal it. In fact, it's TV's Jeremy Clarkson's story. that Jeremy was sitting in traffic somewhere in West London on one of those sort of two-lane roads, and it was really gridlocked. They weren't going anywhere, but they were sort of creeping along. And Jeremy became aware of a man in an 80s, early 80s Mercedes saloon, so what became the E-Class, a W123. I was about to say that. If you like. This was probably like 10 years ago, so it was an old car then. And there's a man in it who's suddenly trying to attract his attention, and Jeremy's a bit like, oh, I... I don't want to interact yeah. with a random member of the public at yeah. this point. Jeremy sort of glanced across, and this bloke looks quite intimidating. He's like, oh, and then the traffic's all completely stopped. This guy gets out of his car and comes over to Jeremy. Comes Jeremy's thinking, oh my god, this bloke looks, and he's got like all these gold teeth, and he's going, hey, Jesse, Jeremy, all right. And Jeremy sort of puts his window down. He goes, hey, how you doing, mate? It's Goldie. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> it was <laughs> Goldie. Goldie. <laughs> the most amazing part of that story is that Jeremy sort of dimly worked out who Goldie was. It's like he's not known for his love of drum and bass, but <laughs> <laughs> but he managed to figure it. Out. Oh, well done. Yeah. So Goldie has or had at some point an old Merc saloon. Oh, nice. Thunk it. This doesn't quite count as spotting somebody in a car, but I once got a lift back from a party in a car driven by Corinne Drury from Swing Out Sister. Okay. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, really, I know her. Well, yeah. I knew her a long time ago. Yeah, yeah the drummer in the band and Nigel were old pals. For, yeah, well, uh, the, the drummer was in the back of the car with yeah. me because I mean, they uh, believe they were partners. And Bobby, yeah. who lived in the same place as me for eight years, used to be their tour manager. Oh, really? Yeah. My smaller side, off topic, swing out sister gig in the Philippines. Bobby's collecting the money for the band, and halfway through, the guy counts out the something like $15,000, puts it in a suitcase, reaches down, Pulls out a gun and says, this is my money. Oh. <laughs> and Bobby says, yeah, it is, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Took the band and left. Is, that was it. There was it. Let's swing out a sister. It's very 80s. That's very good. Oh, it's pretty good. I've thought of another, on an 80s musician tip. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned this before. Fergal Sharkey lives near me. So he does. <laughs> so he does. And I've seen him around. Not for a while, actually, but I saw him in the car park of my local Waitrose. <laughs> And I was getting out of my car and I saw him walking back into the car park and I was like, I wonder what, what Fergal what, Sharky what, drives. Yeah. What former and, undertone and barman. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Car. And I was sort of then I was desperately trying to think of puns based around... It would be a DeLorean, wouldn't you it? You little... It would be a Sharky thema. nose. No. For, no, yes, a shark. Shark nose, yes. The answer is not very exciting. There's an Audi A6. Really? Yeah. Oh, that was yeah. in his corporate working for A&M Records well, as an a and Well, it was one as well. Right. Yeah, so yeah, it wasn't the current shape. It was the old shape at the time. Yeah. And he had a big CB sort of style aerial on the boot. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? But I then subsequently heard somewhere that he was really into CB radio, ham wow. radio, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How 70s. Yeah, I know. CB. That, that somehow doesn't compute. I can't really see Fergal Sharkey as a 10 4 smoky. It's bandit. weird, isn't it? I think yeah, he just did it for the teenage kicks, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I've spent most of the rest of that afternoon. I think I put it on Twitter that I'd seen Fergal Sharkey in his car. <laughs> and then trying to think of good, you know, a good heart these days, a good heart for a male. No, doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> um, I used yeah, to see Patsy Palmer from EastEnders. Ricky! Exactly. <laughs> driving her Ford Fiesta at Highbury Corner on the way up really? to where they shoot EastEnders. I regularly saw her several times. Huh. Always smiley and nice. But that's not my massive claim to fame in terms of famous people in London. Because I'm going to finish with this one, which I'm enormously proud of, this story. I'm trying to work out when this was. Let me think. 
I was in my Volkswagen Jetta, which meant it must have been 1986-1987. And I'm driving along High Holborn, High Holborn, as non-Londoners say, High Holborn, up back towards Islington, back up to northeast London where I lived. And in the car with me was my mate Bobby, who used to be Swing Out Sisters tour manager, and his girlfriend at the time, Louise. And alongside us pulls up. Now, I can't remember if it was a De Chaveau or a Diane, but I'm going to say De Chaveau. It may have been a Citroën Diane. And there was a person driving and someone sitting in the back. And the person in the back opened up the window and shouted to us, Give us all your drugs! It was Peter Cook, as in ah, Peter ah, Cook and fantastic. Dudley Moore. And... And you gave him all your drugs? Well... <laughs> OK, I probably shouldn't ask yeah. if there were any drugs in either car. I just won't ask. Yeah, if we'd have had any drugs in our car, we would have given them to him. We did. You've been listening to Gareth Jones on Speed. That was Richard. Goodbye. That was Zog. Goodbye. I was Gareth, and I expect to do a five-stretch for this. Oh. See ya. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!